0: In 1994, Reed and I got to go on our first cruise. It was sponsored by the North American Christian Convention, and so it was a fairly small cruise ship, but of the thousand people on the cruise ship, about 700 of those passengers were from this Christian Convention. So, uh, as you can imagine, it was a wild party boat that week. Uh, not, not so much. But, but the convention had, had organized, uh, speakers and workshops and, uh, times of worship. Uh, if you guys listen to Caleb, they, they, uh, they talk about a, a Caleb cruise. I don't know if you've ever been on that. It was kind of similar to that. So, so our cruise was, uh, amazing. We got to see some amazing things that it, it was the first time I'd been out on the ocean. And, and once you're in the middle of the ocean, and all you can see in all directions is water. I mean, it's uh the vastness just really uh, is amazing. We we saw some dolphins swimming uh, alongside uh, alongside our ship, and uh, as, as well as some other uh, different types of fish, uh, and that was amazing. This was 1994, so a long time ago, but it was right in the middle. Some of you might remember this in the 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 Cuban boat. Uh, uh, refugee crisis so there there were people that were jumping in all types of rafts and boats and trying to get to America from Cuba we actually came upon out in the middle of the ocean uh, like three different times came upon uh, rafts and took those cuban's refugees onto our cruise ship that's that was kind of kind of cool uh we saw some amazing scenery we got to snorkel in the cayman islands i'll never forget it was hamburger reef is what they called the place that we went and you, you went out and they threw a bunch of bread in the water and all these fish just teamed up, and I mean, they were just going wild, and then you you jumped in the water right in the middle of those fish, and I remember Rita freaking out, like, I don't want to do that, but she did, and and so we were having a great time snorkeling until someone popped their head above the water and said, Hey, is that a nurse shark I saw? And Rita was out of the water back in the boat. <laughs> uh, it, it was a few minutes later when my friend Dan Muter popped up and said, Hey, Tim, go down the, there. There's a barracuda. And I went down long enough to take a picture with my uh, underwater camera. And then I decided, you know, I'm done. I'm done snorkeling as well. And I got out uh, of the boat. We. We saw some amazing things, had some amazing food. It was a great time. But, but one of my other memories from this cruise was an older couple. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know what their first names were, but, but their last name was Scott. And I only know that because I know a couple of their, their sons. Uh, uh Mr. Scott was a well-known preacher at the time, uh, from, from Iowa. In fact, he has two sons that are in ministry. One son, Phil, actually started, uh, a christian College at, at, at Ozark with me, and he had an older son named Mark. Some of you know who know who mark is mark scott uh, a professor at Ozark Christian College is a fantastic guy so i didn't really know the Scots, but I knew of them and there were two things that made me remember the uh, m- remember the scots from that uh that trip first of all was the 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 first thing that made me uh remember made him stand out was the way that Mr. Scott dressed. He was probably uh, about mid-70s at the time, like I said, an old Iowa uh, 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 small church, small country church preacher, and and on this cruise, he put on a pair of shorts, and I think that's the first time his legs had seen sunshine in decades. Uh, you almost had to put sunglasses on because his white pasty legs stood out, and, and then there was another thing about the way he dressed that really stood out. Anyone want to guess what that was? Think of your dad maybe years ago. Any anyone want to guess what that was? I said something to Rita. She remembered he He wore uh, dress shoes and black socks with it. That's what my dad dad did when we went on vacation. Uh, uh, we're going on vacation in a week, and I'm considering taking some dress uh, shoes so I can embarrass my kids and with my black socks but 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 he when he walked around, he had these these shorts on and these these dress shoes with black socks but but the other thing that stood out. I'll never forget this, and I don't. I don't know what it was. I don't know if they just didn't like the cruise once they were on it, uh, if they were intimidated by it, or scared of the water. I, I don't. I don't know what it was. It's seasick, and that probably was part of it. But, but kind of through the grapevine, I found grapevine. I found out that the Scots spent almost their entire cruise, seven day cruise, in their cabin, and 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 uh, and I thought, wow, they they missed. So much, all the cool stuff that we got to see, all the cool stuff that we got to to experience, they missed because they were stuck in their cabins. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to the the book of First Kings. It's in your Old Testament. If you don't have your Bible, uh, if you have got a Bible app on your phone. Open that up. Uh, the cool thing about that, you can pretend like you're looking at the scripture, and you can be searching Facebook same time, and everyone thinks you're looking at scripture. Or there's a Bible uh, in the pew back in front of you. So so if you do. Turn to 1 Kings chapter uh, 18. I've been preaching here, uh, been a couple weeks off uh, with the mission trip and some other things going on. But, but when I last preached uh, about Elijah from 1 Kings was back in June and we talked about this prophet Elijah. So let me give you, uh, let me give you a little background. For those that were here, let me give you a reminder. For those of you that, that weren't here, let me just kind of catch you up to date. God had called Elijah, had had called Elijah to be a prophet to be a spokesman for him and his job was to go tell the wicked king of Israel king Ahab basically that it was not going to rain it wasn't going to rain till he said said it would rain again and we know from scripture that took about 3 years before that happened that was not an easy message to uh, to to deliver for uh, for the prophet Elijah but he did nonetheless but once he gave that once he gave that message, then God sent him to the, the Kirith ravine. And, and we know from scripture that, that God sent ravens to feed him in the morning and the evening. And once the, the brook dried up, then, uh, then God sent him up to Zarephath, which was right in the middle of, uh, of the area of Baal worship and sent him to the home of a widow lady. And this widow lady, had just enough flour and just enough oil to make one last loaf of bread, and she was going to cook the bread, and then her basically what she said, my, my son and I are going to die because they didn't have anything else. The the drought was so bad. But Elijah showed up, and uh, we know from the, the text that the oil never ran out and the flour never ran out, and God continued to bless them and sustain not only Elijah but also sustain this widow lady. Now, one thing we know from this text, Elijah. We, we don't know exactly how long, but Elijah probably had hung out with this widow and her son. My guess is close to two years, because we know we know it's in the third year that God called to uh, Elijah again and spoke to him a second time. But but my guess is that Brook at the Kirtarvine had dried up in that first year fairly quickly, and, and God sent him as Zarephath So so he might have been with this widow for up to two years. And Elijah could have easily grown comfortable staying with this widow. Now, now if you have your Bibles, again, 1 Kings chapter 18, but, but move back one verse. Look at chapter 17, verse 24. Uh, now, now actually Elijah had, uh, had, had brought this widow's uh, son back to life. If you want to read in chapter 17, you can see that story. But verse uh, 24 says this. Then the woman said, Elijah, now I know that you're a man of God and the word of the Lord from your mouth is true. So, so he's hanging out with this lady that, that knew that he was a prophet that, that, that probably encouraged him every day. And, and, and so every day Elijah got up and there was flour and oil. He was just hanging out with this widow and her son. I I have no idea what he was doing. Might have been surfing the net, might have been watching Netflix. I have no idea what he was doing while he was quarantining kind of with this. I have no idea what was going on. But but maybe after a couple years, he became comfortable. In fact, I'm sure that he was comfortable hanging out being a prophet. It's not so hard to be a prophet when you're secluded in your room, but catch this church, catch this, God never calls us, God never calls his people to go comfortable in in inactivity. See, God never calls us to get comfortable in doing nothing. Now, God doesn't call us, church, to stay in our room and do nothing. Let me, let me kind of rephrase that or make, make sure you understand what I mean by that for us. God never calls us his believers, his followers, his church. He never calls us to just come to his church and get comfortable he doesn't call us to just show up here and be fed and hang out with other people like us and be encouraged or or be inspired by great music or check off a box yeah i was there and listened to a sermon god never calls us to get comfortable in inactivity and elijah man elijah very well might have started getting comfortable hanging out uh but but that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's plan. So, so if you're there in First uh, Kings eighteen, let's look at the first couple verses uh, of chapter eighteen. After a long time, in the third year—mentioned it was up to three years—the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So, so here a second time God spoke to him, and this is what God said. He said, "Go, go, and present yourself to Ahab." And I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went. So Elijah went to present himself to him. Now We're going to look at, today we're going to look at one thing. I'm going to give you a break. Uh, this is a three-point sermon, but you're only getting one. So, so we'll finish this. If you want to know the rest of the sermon, you're going to have to come, actually, in a couple of weeks uh, to finish that up. So we're only going to look at one thing today. God needed Elijah to obey. God, God said, go and present yourself to him. Go. I, I wonder what Elijah, I wonder what Elijah said to God. I wonder what Elijah was thinking when God told him to do that. Now, now scripture doesn't tell us. All it says is God said go and he went. But, but oftentimes scripture leaves out some details. We, we, we know, we talked about it the very first week. We don't know how God initially called Elijah. But, but, but I, I just, I just have to believe after, after three years of inactivity and God said, now you go and talk to, to Ahab again, who was in the middle of a three year drought, who was ticked off, who was upset. We know that from scripture that, that Ahab was trying to find Elijah and it wasn't going to be good news when he did. I've got to believe that Elijah questioned God just a little bit. Do you, can you just hear Elijah saying, uh, saying to God, uh, God, I, I'm, I'm not so sure that's the right, that, that's what, you, that's what we want to do right now. Maybe, maybe God, I should, maybe I should hang out just a little bit longer here in Zarephath. Everything's going well. The oil and the flowers hanging, hanging tough there. Why don't I just hang out here a, lot, a little while longer? I can hear Elijah saying, maybe God, maybe God, if you sent rain first, if, if it started raining, we had a good one inch rain and I nice, slowed, gentle rain, one inch, then I go talk to Ahab. I think everything will go a lot smoother if, if you send rain first, then I'll go talk to Ahab. Maybe, maybe Elijah bargained with God. He said, God, Elijah or Ahab is, uh, Ahab is pretty mad at me. He is pretty ticked. Maybe you should send someone else. I'll stay here. You send a different prophet, kind of like good cop, bad cop. I was the bad cop saying it's not going to rain. You send a another prophet, good cop that says, "Hey, it's going to rain again." Uh, but, but that's not what happened. He needed God needed Elijah to obey, and and, and note this: obedience, obedience requires action. You, you know we can't we can't obey. God without action. If, if there was going to be rain in the land, which we will see here in the future that that rain did come, if there was going to be rain in the land... And 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 more importantly, if people's hearts were going to be changed, because that's the real reason God had sent Elijah to Ahab and the, there was a drought, because people had turned their hearts against God, and God wanted to get their attention and, and wanted to prove himself a, as God. And if people's hearts were going to be changed, it would require obedience from Elijah, and obedience requires action. So so God needed Elijah to do three things. Look at verse 18 again. We'll see the first one. It's pretty obvious. It stands out uh, pretty well. After a long time, the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, uh, go. God God needed Elijah to go. See, the first step in obedience is always go when when god told abraham that that i'm going to bless i'm going to bless uh the, the world with your offspring even, even though he didn't have any kids your offspring are going to be so many it's like the sands of the sea it's like the stars in the sky so many you can't even count uh, but but what he acqui- what he required abraham to do was to pack up and leave and uh and and his first act of obedience was to go when God called Moses to go talk to Pharaoh uh, to give him the message "Let my people go," his first act of obedience was to go. When God called Joshua to lead Israel across the Jordan River into the Promised Land, and we know from Scripture that that Joshua was scared to death. We know that because in Chapter One of Joshua, uh, like three different times, God said, "Be uh, th- to to be uh, to be bold and be courageous, to not be afraid." His first act of obedience was to go. So, so what is God calling you to do? What, Where is God speaking to you? Because I, I have to believe, uh, in fact, I, I know from Scripture that God always calls us, God, God's put Puts calls on our heart. We've been talking about that here recently. God God is calling you to change. He's calling you to do things. What is the call that God is putting on your life? What is he calling you to obey him in? Maybe you're a dad here this morning, and God is calling you to be a spiritual leader. He's calling you to step up and take uh to, to sp- take a, a leadership role uh when it comes to to him and and the instruction of your children and wife. Maybe he's calling you to be a spiritual leader. What well, your first act of obedience is to go. Maybe you're a mom here today and God is calling you to use your gifts for the kingdom. God has gifted you uniquely with special gifts, but your first act of of obedience is to go. Maybe God is calling you to share your faith with a coworker, now you don't have to sit down and, and and go through the steps of salvation. You don't have to go walk down the Roman road with them or the the five fingers of you don't you don't necessarily have to sit down and open up Scripture. That'd be great if you did, but but maybe God's just calling you to to, to invite them to church. Maybe God's calling you to to pray with them, or or maybe just very very casually say, "Hey, I've been praying for you." I I don't know what it's maybe God has been calling you to share your faith some way with someone your first act of obedience is to go. Maybe God's been calling you to trust Him with your finances, to, to truly give Him the first fruits, to, to pay God His tithe first and then the rest of your stuff later. Your first act of obedience is to go. Or maybe God's been calling you to get serious about your faith or say no to a secret sin that you've been hiding or to say yes to an area of service. But your first act of obedience is go see god needed elijah to be obedient obedience requires action and action is calling us to go Er erwin mcmanus uh, in his book uh, divine uh, intersection says this much of our religious language has been focused on the don'ts rather than the do's In the same way we act as if the primary word from God is stop when it actually is go. Brandon Hatmaker in a book that he wrote said this, when I was a, or when I became a Christian as a young child, all the instruction I remember receiving about the kingdom was to protect myself from the corruption of the world, to avoid spending too much time with sinners, and to hold on until Jesus came back. I grew up learning more about hoping in a Uh, Hoping to be in heaven one day, a kingdom not yet, than living a life that chooses the way ways of Christ today, a kingdom now. Christianity was presented to me more as a waiting game than it was something I could thrive in. Getting to heaven simply meant avoiding hell. The fullness of the kingdom goes beyond a one-day-yet-to-come dream. It's also a glimpse into what God has in mind for us today do you realize that obedience requires action action requires us to go god's call to elijah was go he he also needed elijah to speak the truth if you're there in first kings look over in verses 16 through 18 uh First Kings sixteen through eighteen. So Obadiah, and we're gonna we're gonna look in a couple weeks, we're gonna look at Obadiah uh and and see where he fits into the story. But uh Obadiah, who was a prophet himself, but also was working for King Ahab. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah when he saw Elijah. So when Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Now now imagine Imagine the venom that he said that with. Ahab didn't just say, Hey, is that you? You know, he was, he was upset. His, his kingdom was falling apart. His people were starving. Uh, things were terrible. The, the, the God that he served, the God of Baal, we mentioned was the God of prosperity and, and the God of, of crops and, and it wasn't raining. So, so it was looking bad for Ahab. So when he said, is that you, you troubler of, of Israel? Man, he met that with, with fury and anger. But notice what, notice what Elijah says, verse 18. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you, but you and your father's family have, you have abandoned the Lord's command and have followed the bells. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I do want to point out, uh, that sometimes the message God gives us, the truth that he gives us to speak, is hard. In, uh, in our culture that's increasingly becoming more non-Christian, if, if not anti-Christian, in, in our culture whose values are increasingly turning further and further away from the truth of God's word, we are called upon to speak truth. Even if it's not popular, even if we're branded close-minded or old-fashioned, Elijah was facing a king who wielded great power, who commanded a vast army, and he could have he could have been tempted to to back down when 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 Ahab said, "Hey, is that you, you Troubler?" Uh, Elijah Elijah could have said, "Hey, hey, 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 hey! Uh, I just said what God told me to say." In fact, I think God was a little bit harsh. I don't understand why God is not making it rain. He, he could have. He could have said, "Now, now, hang on, Ahab. L- let me go to God. Give me a couple days. I'm going to go talk to God. I'm going to see if we can't get those those rain spigots turned on again, and and we're going to make this right. I'm going to make this right here." He he could have been tempted to do that, but but instead he spoke truth. He said, "I didn't cause trouble. You did. You abandoned God." Church, um, we we are called to speak truth. Now, uh, it, it's not always easy, and sometimes it's not very popular, and sometimes it's going to put you on the wrong side of of an argument that everyone else is arguing. But we're called to speak truth. Now, now. I do want to point out a couple of verses, though, so so that we don't get too full of ourselves. Ephesians chapter four verse fifteen says that we need to speak the truth, but he adds the qualifier: we need to speak the truth in love. Colossians chapter four five and six says this: be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation now catch this. So as you talk to people, as you including speaking the truth, let your conversation always. Be, be always full of grace. seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. And notice what Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 5. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But notice the qualifier. But do this with gentleness and respect. God, God needs us and desires us. He did of Elijah to speak truth It's one of the ways we step out in obedience and 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 finally this will be the last thing we look at God needed elijah God needed Elijah to trust him uh, uh, Elijah had, had had sent the message to Ahab when he met him he said, said "Go to Mount Carmel." He said, I'll meet you in Mount Carmel. And and if you want to, we're going to take the time to read all of chapter 18, but I encourage you to maybe look at that a little bit later on, and you'll see some of the cool stuff in those verses. He said, go to Mount Carmel. And he said, when you go, bring with you your prophets. So so he said, bring 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. And, and Eli- uh, Elijah said, I- I'll be the only prophet. In fact... Uh, we'll talk about this more l- later on, but Elijah said, well, I'm the only prophet left. Now, that wasn't true, and Elijah sometimes got a little discouraged, and this this just gives a little bit of evidence of that. But, but, but he said, go to Mount Carmel. And when they did, you'll see from chapter 18 that, that he had them, build two altars, one for the prophet of Baal and one for, for, for God. And they built these altars, altars. They, they, they sacrificed a, a bull and put it up on the bull. And here was the challenge. He said, whoever, whoever calls fire from heaven, whichever God sends fire from heaven to consume the altar, that is the real God. So, so Elijah played it cool. He said, hey, Baal, you, you guys go first. And so scripture tells us that they spent the entire day from from early in the morning till noon, just praying away and calling on their God, Baal. Hey, come and send. They were prophesying. And and, and then, then we see that Elijah kind of started making fun of them a little bit. What, is your God asleep? Is he, you know, does he not hear? Maybe he need to shout louder. He, he's kind of hard of hearing. Uh, but but at the end of the day, no, no fire had come. Look at verse 36 in chapter 18. At the time of the sacrifice... The prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant and have done all things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you are God, that you are Lord, our God, and that you're turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, we see from the text that he had actually had the people pour 12 jugs of water over the altar and it pulled up in a, in, in a trench around it so, so there would be no mistake that, that, that it was from God. And it consumed it all. Elijah had seen some amazing things. He had, he had been fed in the Kirth Ravine by ravens. Every morning and every night these birds would show up and drop some bread and some meat. Wow, that, that's that's amazing. And, and then God sent him to Zarephath, and 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 for, what, two years possibly? Every morning, that little bit of flour and that little bit of oil that had been used to to, to make that one last of, uh, loaf of bread reproduced itself. There was always a little flour and enough oil to make a loaf of bread. Wow, that was amazing. And, and we saw also in chapter 17 that the widow's son fell ill and died. And Elijah brought him back to life. Man, Elijah had seen amazing things. But now, now everything was on the line. He was standing in front of Ahab and all the prophets of Baal and Asherah. He was standing in front of of the whole nation of Israel. And God was saying, trust me. If God didn't come through now, then... Ahab was going to say to his his troops, get him. Go grab him, and it, it probably wouldn't have been pretty for Ahab. If, if God hadn't come through, the, the people who, who Elijah was trying to change their hearts, they would have scoffed at him. See, God isn't God after all. We'll just continue to follow Baal. It was all on the line, and God simply said, trust me. Dudley Rutherford is a uh, pastor in Southern California. I went to went to college with Dudley, and he he pastors a church of several thousand in Southern California. And in one of his books, he tells a story about his oldest son. They they were invited to a a, a swimming party at one of the families uh, in in their church, and so so he and uh, his family went. To, to these people's houses and these these people were quite wealthy in fact they they had a huge a huge in ground pool on uh, it had one of those uh, I don't I don't remember what you call them but basically those walk in uh, infinity pools. Is that what they call them? I, I don't know what but anyway you walk in and gradually walk in on one end the other end was deep and had a uh, uh, had a diving board on one side there was a slide that curled its way and splashed in to the water and and it was outside in a uh, an outside area with a grill, and I mean, he said it was amazing. And and there were several families from the church that were there that day, and he said they were all having a good time. And his oldest son, who was about five at the time, was was just learning to be comfortable with water, so he had on his little floaties and he was in the pool and enjoying it. And and Dudley said he he, he looked over once and he saw his son standing on the the side of the pool looking at the diving board, and he was watching as some of the other kids would would jump on the diving board and run out and dive into the pool and some others would just walk out to the end and 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 step off and dive and and others some of the older kids would go out and bounce on it and and do a beautiful swan dive into the water and Dudley said he he noticed his son just sitting there staring at them watching and thinking wow you know just uh, uh, enthralled with it so finally he said to his son hey hey son do, do you want to go off the diving board and his son looked at him. His eyes got really big, and this is what he he did. <laughs> and 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 then he hesitated a little bit, and then he's like slowly like yes. And Daddy said, "Well, great, great, we'll do that." But but he said, Dad, I'm scared. He's. Don't worry, son. Don't worry. And d- so Dudley said, I'll, "I'll get in the pool and I'll sit out in the water. I'll tread water right, right by the diving board." And so he got one of the older kids to take his son, and, and he got up on the end of the diving board. And as you might imagine, he stood for a long time at the end of the diving board, like I'm not going any further. And finally, with little coaxing, he slowly stepped one small step at a time until he got to the to the end of the diving board. And there, there he stood at the end of the diving board. And Dudley was saying to him, "Come on, jump." and and his boy with his eyes big just stood there and and, and wouldn't go wouldn't go in fact he started a couple of times to turn around and go back and and was coaxed back to the end of the board and he stood there his eyes big and finally dudley said to him dudley said to his son trust me son trust me with that he finally jumped off the board into the pool and his eyes were still big, but the smile on his face was even bigger because Dudley caught him, and he was fine. There's going to be times in our life that God is calling us, that God is calling us to trust him, to trust him. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you this morning that your word speaks truth into our life, and you've called us to speak that truth as well. Father, we pray today that you will give us the faith, the passion, the strength, the opportunity to trust you. God, your your requirement for us, just like it was for Elijah, is to obey. But obedience requires action. Father, help us be people of action. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.